As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell, he scores the ball and he rebounds well. This is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, the only podcast part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Um, Oh man, I am mixing up this intro even as we get started. A podcast, it's a podcast and it's a part of a network and we talk about the Mavericks. It does all of those things. It's a podcast, it's the only podcast that would never rank the people who come on this show like we're about to rank players on the Mavericks roster. I'm Tim Cato, we've got Austin Gurria. We're doing a uh, recording Thursday night, so this is going to come out Friday morning. Fridays are great times to listen to podcasts, you know? I, I just have a question. Why, why can't we rank people who come on this podcast? I feel like that would be a very fun exercise. Mm, well, I mean, it would just get so boring hearing so many people put me first. See, I, I think that's, that's where we differ. I don't, I, don't think you're, I don't think you're crapping the top three. I don't, it's it's going to be tough. Ooh, ooh! I mean, where are you falling outside of the top ten? Oh, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a top five pick. People were, people were tanking to take me with a high pick. It's true, it's true. I, I, there's so many people I put ahead of you, but here we are, here we are, um, here on a Thursday, about to rank players. So I've got this idea. Um, on Friday, if you're listening on a Friday, I'll have a roster breakdown uh, on the Athletic, and I'm kind of structuring it by importance, but it's not necessarily. The words I'm writing, uh, I'm looking at the draft right now. i am got to finish up when I finish this. Um, they're not uh, totally about the importance. Uh, you know, it's just kind of structured that way. Let's, let's take that a step further. We don't even have to talk about Luka Doncic. The most important player on the Mavericks is not close. You know, we know that. The rules of this is going to be, if you take the season as a whole, both what has happened and what we expect to happen, let's go, you know, just bounce back and forth. We each get to select players, and we're going to say this is the most important player to the season as a whole, to it being a, to it being a success, um, and then the next most important player, and then the next most important player. We haven't even decided who goes first. Um, actually, I think I'm going to take the first pick, because I think the first one's kind of obvious, and I'm really interested to see 
where you go after that. But the rules are clear. Everything makes sense. We feeling good about this? I, th- I think we're feeling good. I'm I'm mad that I don't get a number one pick, but I'm, I'm interested to see who you pick number one. Well, let's say you got the number one pick. Okay, pick Luka Doncic. Say his name. Go. Okay, I, I have Luka Doncic. He's, he's... Wow, I, you think he's important to the Mavericks? I think, Why? I think he's a little important. I think he's. I think when you average 33 on 50% shooting, it's good. And that's my opinion on him. That's my complete analysis of, of who he is as a basketball player. 33 Man, points was, on 50% shooting. It's good. I was, I was, I was going to go Davis Bertans number one if you had. So I'm glad, I'm glad you had that pick first. With the number two pick, um, it's weirdly not going to be Davis Bertans. I was only going to select him if I went one. Uh, with the number two most important to the Mavericks, that player is going to be Spencer Dinwiddie. And it's for fairly obvious reasons. He is the one player that when Luka is off the court uh, can replicate to an extent the heliocentric style that this team operates on. Again, you got to remember, it's not just that, you know, the Mavericks could put a bunch of point guards, but they play a certain way. They Like, Luka plays a certain way, and to have a player who literally shoots step-back threes, who literally plays, like, you know, just as a worse version of Luka Doncic, um, that's really important to the team, and just him being able to extend over to the second units, even if the Mavericks are clearly worse, uh, you know, from on-off perspectives, when Luka goes to the floor and it's just Spencer running it. But by far, far and away, he's the uh, the the second most important player to this team for me. Oh yeah, would you have gone differently agree. there? Yeah, yeah, okay, that's I, what I'm saying. They they have two guys who can dribble. Like it does, uh, there's honestly doesn't need to really be like a high level analysis for this. Like they only have two guys that can run an NBA offense. I guess now they have Kemba, but they you can't play Kemba every game. So Spencer's been good this year. I think he's actually performed even maybe a little better than I thought he would be. Um, and he's very important. They can't. They he literally cannot get hurt. They cannot afford an injury to him at all. Their season would fall apart if he got hurt. Where would you go on third to most important? Ooh, Maxi. You. I'm taking, Maxie. I'm taking Maximilian Kleber with my wow. third pick. Yeah. Whole thing falls apart without Maxi. Defend this. The, the entire thing falls apart without, without Maxi. Their, their whole scheme of playing in the playoffs, playing five out, playing good defense, have, again, playing five out, that they really need to play five out to really maximize this version of the team. Oh, maximize, Christian, huh? Maximize it with Maximilian. It's they, they need him. They need him to be good. Um, playing Wood also depends on having Maxi. Everything kind of falls apart if Maxi is not around to kind of prop up the scheme that they want to play on the offensive end. They're really dangerous when they play five out. It allows Luka to have a lot of space. It allows Spencer to have a lot of space. It allows other players to, to have driving lanes, even Josh Green or Tim Hardaway. Maxi is just, he's, he kind of just fills in all the spaces that they need. And also, he's a, a great defender. There are not many players in the league like Maxi Kleber when he's, when he's shooting 40% from three. I, I like that answer. That's higher than I would have gone. But I like it. It makes sense. I, I think, remember, we're grading the season as a whole. And when you really think about what's going to be, you know, what players are going to be most important to the Mavericks being successful uh, when we reach game 82 and I guess even into the playoffs. I, I think you're right that Maxi um, does factor into that. Again, a little little high for me, but uh, I, I like the vision. I see the vision. Also, I hadn't, you know, even considered, uh, you know, whether you agree with this or not, it's very clear that Jason Kidd wants to play Christian Wood with Maxi most of the time. And so if Christian Wood has, you know, whatever his importance to this team, you kind of have to have the complimentary player um, if you do deem Christian Wood as important and, you know, at least admit that Jason Kidd has a very strict, you know, kind of line of thought about this. Fourth, fourth most important. I 
have two names and one of them feels a little reactionary and I don't quite I, I think you know what I'm uh, what I'm thinking in my head and I don't uh. I'm not quite there but I'm close I am going to go with Dorian Finney-Smith that's not the reactionary guess I just think what Dorian Finney-Smith does you know logging about 32 minutes a night uh, being a a shooter being having a little bit off the bounce you know being the team's uh, best wing defender or at least the wing defender most tasked with uh, you know being on you know being the lead the focal point on offense or on defense I should say I I just think that you know there's not a lot of players like him you know who are so good offensively and defense you know so good at the three and the D parts of three and D so he's he's fourth for me you know what I'm not gonna argue I love Dorian very important plays 40 minutes a game in the playoffs knocks down threes he's starting to I think hopefully his his jumper is starting to come back a little bit played great in the Denver game um and yeah I mean. I think they do have other players on the roster that can kind of mimic what he does, but he's the most consistent at it. He's their most consistent 3D player. He has a very high floor. And also, he's their only player that can, only one of their, their wings that can really play the four. None of their other guys I really trust to play the four for 35 minutes a night. That's fair. What other players um, might be able to sort of replicate what he does? Um, I think, uh, I think. You think you I'm, might take one of them fifth? I might take one of them fifth. I think I'm going to I'm going to take Joshua Green at number 5. He's just he's become important. He's just he, he's inserted himself into the lineup with his play. Been very dynamic. It's been great off the bounce. I I I thought that his jumper would come around because I he wasn't a bad shooter in college and he shot the ball pretty well last year even though he got the yips in the playoffs, but I've been very surprised by how good he's been at the rim. I did not think he was going to be good at the rim. At any point in his career, he was very bad at it in college. That's not something that's very easy to replicate. I actually think it's easier to become a, a better outside shooter than it is to become a better finisher at the rim. And he's been really good around the rim. He's been more controlled on his drives. His playmaking has been really good. He's really found ways to amplify his playmaking with his drives. I think last year, I think everyone knew he was a talented passer, but he didn't drive the ball with enough force. I wasn't enough of a scoring threat to really unlock his full passing ability. And I think he's taken steps to do that this year and he's their third best driver now on the team he's the guy who can actually collapse the defense and can make a progressive pass to create open three-pointers for other players and he's going to be a guy who plays 25 minutes a game for them in the playoffs i think that if josh green wasn't on the roster teams would play differently against luca that they would be able to double double him and um you know he's i think josh green is turning into one of the only teammates that can really hurt teams who are scrambling at him. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie, yes, uh, of course, when he's on the court. But Josh Green just kind of allows Luka, you know, with his movement, with his uh, transition ability. The Mavericks actually have, have ticked up in terms of tempo. Um, past five games, they're about league average in pace, which is saying something for a team that is dead last, you know, every just about every year Luka's been in the league. Uh, past 10 games, I want to say they're 26th. And again, you know, small small things, but this team has been the slowest team and that they're getting a little bit faster at the same time that Josh Green is playing more minutes. There is a correlation there. And I, I think that's actually really helpful to this team and what Luke is able to do. Um, I also think Josh Green, uh, he can guard uh, lower. He can guard point guards. Uh, yeah. Something Dorian, you don't want to ask of Dorian at all times. And that's pretty valuable, uh, especially with Reggie Bullock and his, his shooting struggles so, so far. And so I'm sure Bullock will come up in a little bit. Um, I'm going to go Tim Hardaway Jr. for the sixth most important Maverick. Ooh. I think you could make a case for 
um, the team's sixth man, if you will, and Christian Wood. And I'm curious to see if that's who you go with next. But I think Tim Hardaway Jr. is the, um, you know, just volume shooter with more, you know, more potential to hit more of them. Um, you know, just that's fairly simplistic. Like he takes and makes a lot of threes. But when you're playing a, you know, Rockets-like style that, that you know, this team is sort of shifting more to and sort of has no other option to shift to. Tim Hardaway Jr. is the type of shooter that you need to be taking seven, eight, nine of those attempts, even if he's not going to make five on a nightly basis like he has been the past few games. Yeah, I mean, good Tim makes this team good. That's, he's, he, they need his shooting. He's a special shooter. He's different from the other shooters on the roster. He can shoot off of movement. He can get high volume shots up. He can shoot a contested three. He can shoot a pull of three. I think he's very important to what they do, and it's been very clear in the last few games that when he's when he's right, they are a much better team, and he really raises their ceiling. I think they don't have many players that raise their ceiling. Um, I think it's one of the things about replacing Brunson's re- production with Tim Hardaway is that it gives them a crazy amount of variance, and that Hardaway may have um, some nights have a higher ceiling, and that he can go out and he can hit eight or nine threes in a game, but he also has a much lower floor, and so I think he's kind of the barometer and the or the, the, the thermometer for how that team is doing on a night-to-night basis and why you can probably see them. They can go beat Denver on the second out of a back-to-back, but they can also lose in Detroit or lose to Orlando. And so I think, I think thermometer is right. Um, you, all you guys listening should just be happy. We're not having to break out the, uh, the worryometer again, you know, Ooh, worryometer yeah. was bad. It was a, uh, it was a worry, worrisome time. And I still think the team's going to play, you know, they're going to have some bad losses, but it, it, things feel better. Vibes feel better. We're not, we're not having to do a vibe check because vibes are up. I think, uh, let's pick back to you. That was uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. at six. Tim so what, seventh so. most important Maverick to the team's success this season. Wow. When you say it like that, it feels... <laughs> I know, I know, I know, because I, I, I think we both had the same player in mind. Um, it, it does you know. feel quite rude to be like, it's the seventh most important player, but it's it's Christian Wood. You know, I think, for me, uh, I, the way that I viewed the Wood acquisition and the way that I viewed him throughout this season, he's additive. Everything he gives you is extra. Um, he has great production. He unlocks a few things in the offense. I think he's coming along defensively. I think he's starting to pick up more of the rotations. I think Kid is starting to trust him a little bit more. And it's he's a great. I think he's going to come off the bench for the majority of the season, but you know he's averaging 16 points a game. He's had he's offered them a different dimension in their pick and roll game. Um, he's his shooting has been pretty good. He has he's a nice post up throw. He was pretty good in the Denver game, and I think the Denver game was pretty instructive. I think how Kid will use him throughout the remainder of the season. Um, just kind of ride him, used to use him for a, a couple isos when Luca's out, and then he even got subbed in in a crunch time possession that was pretty important. And so I think. I don't think he's going to be the second star or the headliner that I think he thought he was going to be coming to the season, but I think his role is important. I think he's going to contribute a lot throughout the rest of the season, but I think that'll be in a bench role. Here's a way that just popped into my head to describe it. Dinwiddie took the Brunson role, right? Yeah. Where would Dinwiddie have fallen on the same ranking last season? Because I think once we said Luca Brunson, it probably would have gone to some players like Maxi Kleba and Dorian Finney-Smith and last season, probably Reggie Bullock before we got to Dinwiddie. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong maybe, about yeah, that. Yeah, it would, it would have gone in some, some sort of order like that. I think he would have been fourth, fifth, 
sixth in that in order. But that's, I think that's a really good way yeah. to look at it, in that he, he's replacing Dinwiddie's production from last year. Right, and it's needed, and it's necessary, and Dinwiddie was absolutely crucial to that team last season. And maybe I'm underselling Dinwiddie a little bit. I, I think fourth, fifth, I, I think is, is probably a fair way to think of where Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie would fall last season. But yeah, it's, you know, if, if he's not going to be the focal point of, of the offense because the offense just doesn't run, you know, around another isolation player uh, to the degree that, that Wood is, whether you think that's right or not, if the Mavericks are committing to the style, this is about where he falls importance-wise, especially because, you know, a lot of what he brings at this point is just really high-level three-point shooting. You know, if you're turning into a three-point shooting team, having another great three-point shoot uh, three-point shooter out there has value in it. And then, you know, he can get his own offense here and there, even if it's never going to be, like, the main idea of this offense. We, we could talk more about him, you know. I, I, I think there's still, you know, outstanding questions of what happens in a month or two. But if there's one thing I know about this podcast, we're going to talk more about Christian Wood in, uh, in the coming episodes. So we can move on from him. I believe we're at eighth most important, and I believe we're back to me. It's on you now. Now we get to the fun part. This is, this is the wild, wild west. <laughs> yeah, we'll try to go a little quicker. There's so many ways I could go here. Um, you know, there's a, there's a boring answer. There's a kind of a belief answer. I'll, you know, I'm going to go boring because I think it's, it's fair and right. You know, it, it, Dwight Powell is the team's Ooh. next most important player. I didn't think that because... was a boring answer. Okay. I think I think it is though because he seems like I think last season he seemed like a replacement level big man, and then they brought in someone who showed clearly Powell's floor is higher than replacement level. You know the fact that Javale McGee has completely bombed this season thus far shows that you know what Powell and we did know this. I'm not I'm not underselling Powell and his abilities. Clearly he has limitations, but the way he maxes out everything that this team is trying to do offensively and the way he's always making the right rotations even if he's you know functionally just not the best defender uh at least he's in the right spots I I think I think there's a lot of value to that and clearly we've seen you know he's he's been fairly quiet Uh, a lot of it a lot of that is the way the Mavericks are you know Mavericks opponents are scheming the Mavericks and you know not letting Luka get to his role man stuff we've said before but somebody has to play center minutes and it's very clear that what he does at the center uh, spot is a level above what any other big man on the roster does that we haven't named thus far. And you can't play Maxi that many minutes. You can't, or at least they won't play Christian Wood that many minutes. So yeah, and if we're talking season-long success, that's Dwight Powell. You got to have him. You've got to have 15 to 20 minutes from him the rest of the year, um, unless something really dramatically changes with Javel McGee. And I'm not sure i'm expecting that yeah i mean dwight's a great he's a good rotation big i think a part of the reason why teams just don't play drop coverage anymore against the mavericks i mean obviously it's luca's greatness but also because dwight is a, is a really good role man he's a great role man he's gonna catch a lot every single time or he's gonna cause rotations and he's a big part of that if they had javel i think teams would be maybe a little more comfortable playing drop um, and then Dwight is just always in the right position. He's he's a pretty good decision maker in those four and three situations when Luca gets trapped, and he's just just a good, solid, a slightly above replacement level big man. And there's inherent value in that, right? 
Yeah. Like if you go play Milwaukee and you force them to shift out of drop coverage into a coverage that they are not as good or comfortable with, like that's valuable. it won't be, yeah, it won't be points. It won't be lobs from Luca to Dwight Powell, but there is a value that can't be inherently measured with the box score in making a team shift to that. And most likely, you know, being successful in, you know, by beating whatever coverage they throw at you next. So that was, uh, where are we at? Eighth. So we're on to we're ninth. Nine. You've got pick number nine. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. I guess I gotta, I gotta, it's, I have to do this pick. Okay, it's Reggie Bullock. At, at some point, he's not gonna be the worst jump shooter in basketball, which he legitimately has been statistically the worst jump shooter in basketball. He's, his season has been really bad. It's not just been like normal, like, like early season slump. He's been a very, very bad jump shooter. And I think, it's starting to get to his confidence, starting to become a, a mental thing for him. He's last game he kind of he took he tried to take a mid range jumper and he passed out of it last second to Josh Green so he could take a grenade three. Um, it's he, he's a good player. We obviously saw it last season. He played forty minutes a game for this team in the playoffs and was very good, very effective. He's a good on ball defender. He's a good off ball defender, and he's been a good shooter for the, his entire basketball life. He's not some guy who had like a couple of years as a good shooter as a blimp. That is. What he's being paid to do, why he's in the NBA, is because he is a good outside shooter. His slump is very unfortunate. Hopefully, he can break out of it soon. But it is very. It will be necessary to have four legitimate three, three and D wings, or if you want to count Hardaway, but four legitimate wings that you can really play in a playoff series or even down the stretch of the season. My really bold thought was when I was considering Bullock and and Powell as my last pick that if I didn't believe Bullock was going to break out of this, that I would put. Frank Nilakina over him because I find it hard to believe, honestly, that Frank Nilakina right now would not give you more productive minutes than Reggie Bullock. Yeah. Now, we are considering the whole of the season, and I just don't, I, I can't fathom any scenario where Bullock does not shoot better. And so I could not bring myself to actually make that pick. But if he keeps struggling, I would siphon off some of his minutes to Nilakina, who is a 3D wing who plays better defense, like plays better defense in the sense that like he plays. He's the most impactful per minute defender on the team. His three point shot just isn't great. And, you know, it's never going to be great. Or, you know, and it's just better than what Bullock is doing right now. So it's something to look at. But, you know, the team has won four or five. And so right now, the right thing is to continue. And, and at no point would I suggest Bullock completely be, at, you know, out of the rotation unless this really continues to like the All Star break. Because if he gets right, the level of importance that he has to this team is really valuable, even if it's not, you know, top seven, uh, especially with Josh Green's emergence. So it's up to me for like, we're on 10 now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. I'm going to say it. Jaden Hardy. 
Ooh, man. And was- again, this is this is projecting for the entire season. But I think I will say this for sure. I think there's a much better chance that Jaden Hardy has more meaningful moments and stretches than uh, Kimba Walker does for this team. Ooh. And I, I mean, I, I I don't know if Kimber Walker's on the team by the time the trade deadline gets here. It's a non-guaranteed contract he has. And so, in, in very clearly, there's issues with his knees. And so, I think Kimba Walker is basically... Sorry, we're kind of t- I'm, I'm kind of blurring the lines here. Maybe I should save this for the Kimba part. But I just think Kimba Walker is a Facundo Compasso they trust a little bit more. But I think long-term, Jaden Hardy... Uh, we, we've, I think we've talked about this. I've talked about this with someone on this podcast that, you know, he would be draft higher if he would be probably a lottery pick if he was putting up the numbers he has now. And it's only nine games of a G League sample size, but 29 points is eye-catching. And, you know, if you view him more as a lottery pick, which it's a little soon to be, you know, to just dramatically say, oh, he's lottery talent um, and that's how he should be viewed. Uh, he's still a second-round pick who's going to need time and development and, and to maximize his development curve. But I think he's going to get into games, especially when Luca or Spencer have to miss any time. Like, I, I would be pretty surprised if Jaden Hardy isn't up for that game and, you know, probably playing some minutes alongside Kimba. And, you know, just inevitably, the, the odds are likely that one of those two players are going to have to miss another game at some point soon. Yeah, I mean, I think if at any point Luca or Spencer have to miss extended time, a week or two weeks, they'll you'll see a lot of Jaden Hardy. Very talented. He's they they need him to be good. They don't have a lot of avenues or paths to to getting young talent or getting uh, assets on their team. They 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 really do need him to be good. And I think he's going to be a good NBA player. I mean, you don't average twenty nine points in the G League with fifty percent shooting and fifty percent from three on difficult, not just like cats catch and shoot like step back threes and sub created threes if you don't have talent and i think you're right also he would have been a top 10 pick had he had these numbers last season in the g league after his high school season so maybe he goes back and slumps and you know the numbers were a nine stretch hot you know a hot streak but we saw them up you know we saw an uptick in the second half of his season last season in the g league and so yeah there's reasons to believe that it's it's that he's trending upward and, and that's what he did in high school. I mean, that's why he was the number two player. He was the number two rated player in his high school class. He was ahead of Paolo, ahead of Jabari. He was n- number two behind Chet. So the, there's a reason he was ranked so high. He's a very talented player. I think the staff thinks he's talented. I think the players know that he's talented. He's, he clearly has it. I think he just he needs time to come along and just kind of get used to the NBA game. But I think I'd rather watch him try and fail than watch a lot of Kemba Walker. Pick number 11. You're up. And with that said, I think pick number 11 is Kimball Walker. <laughs> <laughs> Just Would you have gone Kimba over Jaden Hardy? Um, you know, I think I might have only because I think Kimba is going to play, is going to get more opportunities to play. I think um, they'll play him a little more than Campazzo because he's just more capable. He can he can still play in the NBA. He's still a serviceable NBA point guard. He just can't play 25 minutes a game. He can play every third game for a nice 20 minutes. If, if they can get to a point where he's playing 15, 20 minutes every third or fourth game, I think that's something that he can his body can handle, but it's really up to his body. Like his body, his knees aren't good. I mean, even Nico said it in a regular review. 
<laughs> Sneed is not, it's not very good. So if, as long as they can manage that, and then it's obviously he's not a person who can play all the time, but they're going to need him. They only have two guys on this roster that can play NBA point guard. And as much as I like Jaden Hardy, he's not a point guard. He's more of an off guard that can provide some scoring and some production, but he can actually run an NBA offense. And I think that's going to come in handy because at some point, I don't think Luka and Spencer are going to play 79 games this season. At some point, they're going to sprain ankle, miss some time. And so I think he'll be important for that. I think he's a much better player than Composo. They probably waited to sign him just because he's probably just now getting healthy. Um, but yeah, I think he's, I think you'll have a moment. I think you'll have a couple of moments this season where it'll be fun. Yeah, that, that sounds right. That sounds right. Pick number 12, I'm going Davis Bertans. Shooting great this year. Looking good. If if you if if you believe that the Mavericks really only have one option, which is to shoot as many threes as they're shooting and shoot maybe even more of them and make more of them, and that's what they've done over the past five games, Davis Bertans should get should continue getting some minutes here and there. And I think that's fairly likely. We're we're talking, you know, ten and twenty minute bursts. Ten minute bursts when everybody healthy. Not not every game, but sometimes twenty minute bursts when you know, the people are out. Um, certainly he makes a lot of sense. If, if Christian Wood misses some more time, like I would, you know, we're not talking like for like minute swap, but you, you need shooters out there. And, and, and the type of shooting he brings is, is so unique and different. And if he's going to be making them again in super small sample size, but he is this year, I, I think there's, there's room for minutes for him. And I think that uh, we're probably going to see a little bit more of that. You know, we know the shortcomings, but um, making threes is what this team does, and it's how they score. And having another player out there who does that, I, I think, has value. And you know, it won't ele- it won't elevate to what his career previously, uh, you know, the value that he previously had in his career. But he's going to play a little bit more, I think. Yeah, he's he's just a nice change of pace off the bench. Just come in, shoot as many threes as possible. I think he's in a perfect role for him. There's too many guys on this team for him to get consistent playing time, but. He knows he has one job and he does it well. And he knows what he's supposed to do. He doesn't do anything outside of that. And I think, yeah, if you, I, I hope he gets more opportunities. I hope we get, I hope we get a legitimate Bertans game. I hope we get like five or six threes from Bertans in a game. Thirteen, you're up. All right, I'm going Javale. It's uh, he can't be this bad. At some at some point, like he's he can do some sort of production. Like he can't be this. He's been awful, god awful this year. Just terrible. There's a reason he's not playing. But at some point, these they're going to need him to go up there and soak up five fouls if they play Joel Embiid. And I think also it's just useful to have another big man that can rebound, especially when if they have a game where they're not rebounding really well. They sign him. He's, he's on the roster also for two more years. So it would be nice if he could just just be average. I mean, we're not even asking for him to be, uh, to be exceptional. Just, just back to his level of production from last year. I think... It, he was just so bad to start the year. I don't know if he's hurt or if he's just not coming to camp in shape, but he he was really bad. And I think if he can just become a little bit better to where he's even just an option off the bench and a change of pace big, I think that would be really helpful. Yeah, I considered him higher. I, I think it's not implausible that he does bounce back and have a better second half and be more of the player that, that they signed. He's, you know, I know that, you know, Shacked in a Fool is, like, dominated by clips of him doing really ridiculous things. And when I hear him, you know, when I talk to him and, and when he talks about himself and his role on this team, 
like he's a guy who understands. He gets basketball. He's a vet. You know, he's the oldest player on this team, I think. Yeah, he's the oldest player. And yeah, and like he he does get it. And you know, like I I this is not someone who is you know going to just stubbornly keep doing the same thing and think he knows better than the 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 team. I do believe that he is trying to adjust. And if it, you know, if at some point he says, "Hey man, I wasn't in shape to start the season and, you know, he kind of rebuilds a role that's more consistent i I think that would explain a lot because you know sure this is going to be his last you know big contract and big as relative but by his standards for sure and um i mean what am i saying that's more money than 17 million for three years that's 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 enormous you know um you know just in the context of other nba salaries uh so yeah maybe maybe that's all that happened and I, i do feel like athletically he looks like he's really starting to decline a bit. Um, but maybe it's just the shape thing and maybe he will, you know, kind of settle back into it. And in the meantime, it, it turns out it's pretty fortunate that the team has Powell that can step back in and be this uh, something above replacement level big because JaVale McGee wasn't able to do it or is hasn't been able to do it thus far. Yeah. yeah. I think it'll be helpful for him to play off the bench. I actually don't think he's a great match with Luca. I don't think he has good chemistry with him. I think he's he's actually played better when he's played with Christian Wood and played with Spencer. I think a bench will be probably a lot better for him. Discovered the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Two picks left. Unless I want to throw Tyler Dorsey into the mix. He's been lighting it up. Lighting um, it up. Also lighting it up in the Chile. <laughs> I think I kind of laid out where Frank Nilakina could have a bigger role. And I just, I don't think Reggie Bullock will continue being that bad. I, I think if for some reason Reggie Bullock does not have any bounce back that his shot just decided in his, you know, whatever, 12th NBA season to stop working. I, I do think that there's a bigger role for Frank Nilakina and that, that could have some value. You know, F it. Let's 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 go Tyler Dorsey. <laughs> wow. I mean the options are the option the options are him and Frank Nilakina and <laughs> Theo Nilakina played in the and playoffs last year. <laughs> basically what I'm what I'm trying to game out is that in all likelihood Frank Nilakina is going to have the most importance. But if there was to be out of those three players, if one of them was to jump and actually pull out a small but you know important role that is not expected, it's 
somehow going to be Dorsey. You know, like there, there's a chance he does it because of pedigree, because of age, because of experience, because he shoots threes. Um, this was a really silly pick. I should have just gone Nilakina, and it's like this is a I this say this as horrendous pick. <laughs> Basically, what I'm describing is that he can he can be uh, like a 3D version of Davis Bertans, but he doesn't play defense, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I don't know why I picked that, but I made the pick, so it's too late. Um, if, if there's a point this season where Tyler Dorsey is playing and Jaden Hardy is not, I I, I fear for Jason Kidd's life. I, I, <laughs> and it all it all hinges on this idea that the the three and D player who actually deserves like who is actually going to take these minutes, Reggie Bullock, um, you know, doesn't improve. And again, we, none of us think this, and so. I think no matter where what direction it goes, like the minutes that Tyler Dorsey hypothetically could play, or the minutes that maybe Frank Nilakina does deserve, really have to keep going to this guy who isn't earning them right now, but long term will earn them, and is it's the team's best interest to continue giving him those minutes. Well, I will be a responsible adult, and I will take Frank Nilakina because he played in the playoffs last year. He actually Devin Booker went to Frank Nilakina jail last year in the playoffs. Uh, he's He's not going to do anything spectacular. I don't expect him to have a big moment at some point, but I think kid trusts him because he can defend. And if he can hit a couple of shots, he can't shoot worse than Reggie Bullock. That's, <laughs> that's for sure right now. So I think he's good. He's a nice insurance policy to have as like a right. three and D wing and he can handle the ball some because he did play pass play point guard in this league. Um, so he's a nice, he's a very talented player to have as your. 13th player on your bench i think if you looked at most rosters the 13th guy isn't a guy that you typically would trust to play in the second round of a playoff series um so yeah i think that's that's the case for frankie smokes just think he'll, he'll have maybe one or two moments in in the playoffs depending on the, who they play and i like nilakina like now all of a sudden i'm gonna be i'm gonna be cast as a nilakina hater yeah um, you should be you should be that's <laughs> well i laid out i laid out a scenario where you I laid out a scenario where I almost took him 11th, okay? So, I'm just kind of, I'm playing both sides of the dice here. Um, Theo Pinson's the last one, and, you know, like, he's a very, very talented basketball player who is, you know, top 500 in the world. And it just turns out that top 500 means that you're the 15th player on an NBA team. And I just, there's not really any scenario where he's going to get meaningful minutes, and I think there shouldn't be. So I I have um, almost forgotten what Theo Pinson looks like as a basketball player in role basketball games. I I don't even have an like opinion good or bad. I've literally just forgotten because it's been so long since I've seen him play a meaningful minute. But he's great. I love to have him on the team. I hope he's here for a long time. He's a fun guy to have around. Good everyone needs a vibes guy. Elite vibes guy. They named a rule after him. I mean, he's just elite and be a superstar in his role. He's a superstar at being a 15th man. I that's an incredible sentence right there. <laughs> a superstar at being a 15th man. He is. He's absolutely, he's absolutely, yeah. He, yeah. He's a superstar at being a 15th man. It's, you just, that's how I describe you. That's how I describe you on this podcast as well. Listen, you got to, you just got to fill in your role. If, as, as long yeah. as you fill in your role, everything falls into place. <laughs> They're not going to name and rule after you, though. I don't think. Maybe. Maybe they'll name a podcasting rule after me. What, like a felony? <laughs> it wouldn't be a good rule. Yeah, it'd be something bad. Like, don't forget to record. I mean, you, I would never do that. I would never record an entire podcast and forget to record it. I've like, I know you've hit record on this. I I've know both it. of us have. 
Yeah, but you're saying it in a way with such guilt attached to it. No, that, I'm saying that you've done that before. I've never done that. <laughs> I've never done anything wrong. I beg to differ. I'm a superstar. I'm a superstar at being a superstar of this podcast. That's up for debate okay, right now. Okay, fine. I'm I'm like a fringe. We're saying all-star, that to first take. <laughs> I'm like a I'm like a fringe. I'm gonna I'm leading this podcast to 38 wins, and we might sneak into the play-in. That's actually a very good descriptor of how you're leading this podcast. You are leading this podcast to 38 wins. You know what? That's 38 more wins than you could. So, <laughs> all right, let's get out of here. That was a fun fun little exercise to run. We might have to come back to it at least revisit in some way uh, later this year. And just see how things shake out. But in the meantime, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future. Here comes Luca. Even losses feel like wins. When you're with your good friend Tim, it's 77. It's in heaven.